Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer before you're seated. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Father, we thank you that when we were lost in our sin, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were trapped inside that grave. And yet, Lord, when we called upon the name of Christ, we asked you to save us and redeem us, Lord, by your grace. You set us free. You gave us new life. You brought us to life. And we left that grave. We left that tomb full of your presence and your spirit. And we're so thankful for that gift of salvation you grant unto all of us, Lord, that have called upon the name of Christ. And so I praise you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord, for that wonderful, wonderful gospel. And Lord, I pray that all of us in this room right now, as followers of Christ, Lord, that we would live as those who have been given new life. That we wouldn't live as dead men, but we would live as the ones that have been quickened and made alive, walking in the newness of life, not surrendering to sin or shame or guilt, but walking in the freedom of your amazing grace and your perfect love. So, Lord, again, thank you for your salvation that is only found in Christ, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. Bless now this time as we gather around your word, and we ask this. So before we get into our uh, devotion this evening, I do want to share a couple announcements, just kind of a reminder about some things we talked about this morning. So uh, a couple of things we really want to make clear right away is uh, April 23rd, so this coming Sunday, we have our Forever Young Potluck uh, fellowship that's going to be going on again right after service. And so that's for anyone to let you know about discovering church membership. So as I said this morning, we just finished a class up um, here a couple weeks ago, but we've had some interest in that. Uh, people asking questions about joining the church. What does that look like? What does that mean? And so we are doing another class um, April 30th and May 7th. So we're going to offer two more classes April 30th and May 7th. What a praise. Uh, we had nine in our last membership class. Um, and right now there's the potential between another seven to nine, uh, seven or eight individuals in this class. And so what a praise uh, that there are those who are interested in what it means to be a member of the church. Also to find out just about our ministry and questions they may have. So if that interests you, you can sign up at the Welcome Center if you'd like to do that, if you haven't done so already. Uh, and if you know someone that would be interested in that, please let them know. We would love to have them join us on those two nights. I also want to let you know, Word of Life Awards Ceremony, that's coming up April 30th, and so it's going to be in a couple Sunday mornings right here in the auditorium in the morning service. Uh, if you have a child or grandchild in Word of Life, we encourage them to be here by 10 o'clock and to have their uh, Olympians shirt or Gopher Buddy shirt on. Men's Prayer Breakfast is going on May 6th, 8 a.m., so don't forget about that, guys. Uh, if you want to come early to help prepare the food, 7.15, you can come on out for that. also want to let you know we have um, Ben and Jody Baum, our missionaries with Ethnos 360, they're going to be with us on May 28th in our morning service, sharing about all the Lord is doing with Off-Grid Tech Center, and so you don't want to miss that. It's been a few years since they've been here, so we're really looking forward to having them with us. Also, just want to say again how much fun yesterday was. We had our, um, again, kind of first skating event, um, had just over 80 skaters there, about 90 people total that came and, and were part of that, families. Uh, it was so cool to see about four uh, families or, or children that kind of with those families that were not part of our church, uh, just friends of those that were there. So what a praise yesterday was. Um, and again, I didn't see any major injuries. Um, I saw some people go down pretty hard, but not too bad, not too bad, so it was pretty good. Um, and then also want to let you know, um, what we said this morning about the uh, Voice of the Martyrs Bible Challenge. So what this is, we talked about this morning. If you go on our Facebook page, you'll see the link there as well. You can just click on that link. That'll take you right to their website. Um, but if you weren't with us in the morning service or didn't hear this, um, Voice of the Martyrs is uh, desiring to smuggle into Iran uh, 300,000 Bibles. So they want to smuggle 300,000 Bibles into Iran. 
And so you can be a part of that. So we talked about this this morning. We as a church, we're not collecting for this. Um, this is totally just individual. So if you would like to be a part of this, you would just go on their website and you can sponsor uh, Bibles that are going to go into Iran. And so an example of that would be uh, for five, uh, five Bibles for $50, 10 Bibles for $100, 30 Bibles for $300. You can kind of see different price points, all right? Right now, as far as I know, they were at 237,178 Bibles that have been collected. And so they are trying to get to 300,000. So I would love for our church to be involved in this in some way. So again, we're not going to collect. Don't give it to the church. You just go on their website and you can sponsor Bibles for this ministry. Um, any other Bibles that come in above and beyond that, obviously, will go to other uh, nations or other areas where believers are unable to get access to Scripture and to the Bible. And so if they go over 300,000 um, and you sponsor that, that's just going to go to another either uh, restricted nation or something like that. So all the information is online. I would love for you to be a part of something like this. What a great way to be the church, right? To get the word of God to people in need, to believers in need. And so come on out or come, come to the website, be on the website, and you can be a part of that as well. And then also just one more thing, uh, what a blessing it was to be able to, and I mentioned this before, to sponsor lunch for Marlette Regional Hospital. Uh, this last Wednesday, we were able to do that. Uh, just a cool way to kind of show the love of Christ to the amazing staff there at Marlette. And so thank you for your generosity because your ties, your giving to the church allowed us um, to match basically what was donated back in September uh, through really honestly the Lord working through just answered prayer. Be, I was praying for the Lord to bring in the funds so we could do that lunch for them. And like I said this morning, about a week later, I had somebody randomly show up at the church with about $750 at our bonfire and just said, hey, the Lord laid it on my heart. I'm supposed to drop this off to you guys. I came into some money and, and this is what I want to do with it. And I said, well, you attend a local church. Like, shouldn't you take that to your local church? And they said, well, that's what I was going to do, but the Lord has other plans. And so I wanted to give it to, to you for whatever reason, the Lord said to bring it here. So that allowed us to only have to match, um, that 700 and some dollars. We matched it with about $800 to provide lunch for them. So, and that's all because of your generosity, because of coming in through the end of last year and the beginning of this year, God has been blessing tremendously. And so we're so excited for that. So lots of great things going on. Ladies event. Don't forget today is the last day to sign up for that as well. Um, that's going to be Next Saturday, right? This coming Saturday, I should say. Um, so that's coming up right around the corner. And then don't forget, Widows and Widowers Banquet as well is going to be the Saturday after that. So I believe that's the 29th. So um, I think all the sign-up sheet is pretty much filled. So we actually, I pulled that the other day because I noticed it was pretty well filled with waiters and waitresses and kitchen help and all that stuff. So even cleanup help got filled in a little bit. So um, we are all set on helpers and volunteers, but be praying. I'm going to ask that we would all be praying for this event. Um, what an amazing way we can just show the love of Christ to widows, widowers in our community who have lost a loved one. And uh, we want to just encourage them with a time of serving them some uh, some food, having a time of just fellowship there, and then coming in for some worship together as well. Whew. Okay, so that's a lot of stuff going on, I know. But um, any, any questions or anything about any announcements or anything upcoming, any clarification questions that anybody has, anything like that that I can answer before we move into our devotion? No? All right. Open your Bibles tonight to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there are Bibles in the seats there if you'd like to grab one. Normally I'd have a page number for you, but I did not write down the page number. So Acts chapter 9. So New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
and then the book of Acts. So uh, what I want to do this evening is kind of a follow-up to um, the start of our series this morning. And so this morning, if you weren't with us or if you were in a classroom teaching or something, I encourage you to go back and watch the morning service. Uh, we started a series this morning called The Church Is. And in doing that, we talked about a lot of different things the church has been identified as, um, some negative, some positive. Uh, if you have a positive background in church, if I say to you, finish this statement, the church is, you're going to put a positive word on the end of that. And we gave you some examples of that. The church is loving. The church is kind. The church is family. Uh, the church is home. The church is calming. Okay, these are positive things that we think of with the church. Um, the church is founded on scripture, right? We talked about this morning. The church is not a man-made institution. It is not a man-made institution. It is a scripturally founded ministry as the body of Christ, right? It is founded upon Jesus Christ and specifically the profession that Jesus Christ is the son of God, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The idea of the gospel, the whole point of Jesus's ministry is the foundation of the church. And so we covered a lot this morning, but we also said there might be some negative views about church. If you have a negative opinion of church or maybe grew up in a negative um, mindset about church, the church is greedy, right? The church is um, arrogant. The church is hypocritical, right? The church is fake. That's one I've heard before. The church is fake. It's a bunch of people that say one thing and do another. Or they go to church and they put on this shell of a, a performance, but behind the scenes they're really struggling, right? And as I said this morning, some of you grew up in churches where everyone in the church struggled with sin. Because by the way, we all struggle with sin. Various kinds, various seasons, different types, different weights of it, but we all struggle with sin. But some of you grew up in churches where they didn't really address your sin struggle. They just taught you how to hide it from everyone else. And you can sin, you can struggle with sin, but don't let it be known in here. And some of you grew up in churches where somebody's sin struggle was known and you saw how they were treated. Right? Kind of like relegated to the back row. Okay, now we do have a couple people in the back row. I'm not talking about Jeff and Margie. Okay, you guys are good. Okay, nothing personal there. But there, you kind of you saw that maybe. So to you, church has a negative connotation. And you may talk to people in your area of influence. You may work with people who had a bad experience with church. And what's ironic to me is that they take that bad experience with a church, and now it's all church, Right? Well, if that's how Christians are, I don't want to go to church. And their experience are one to two Christians who just happen to have a bad day, make a sinful decision, not live for Christ in that moment. And now all church everywhere is completely off limits to them. I want nothing to do with the church. Nobody does this for the most part at supermarkets or grocery stores. If you go to a supermarket and you have a cashier who's having a bad day and isn't the nicest person, you don't say, I'm never going to the supermarket ever again. I'm done with supermarkets. I'm never going to go to another supermarket because I had one bad experience with one cashier one time. Of course it doesn't make sense. The hypocrisy that people claim the church has, this is a human problem. I've used this example before. I remember when I was in the hospital after my car accident. I remember I was woken up in the middle of the night because there's one thing people do in the hospital, the nurses and stuff. And if you were a nurse or are a nurse, God bless you. We appreciate what you do. But we really don't like you at 2 in the morning when you come to stick us and get blood. Okay. I was in the hospital that first time after my accident for about 10 days. I don't think I slept very much. But I used to think it was so funny. They would come in, they would check your vitals. Right? Every so often, you got to check your vitals. got to check your vitals. I remember one time it was like 3 in the morning, and they woke me up to check my vitals. And the nurse had just got off her smoke break, but was going to check my vitals to make sure I was doing okay. I remember I smelled the smoke on her. I wanted to be like, maybe we should flip this around. How are your vitals doing? 
Because you're breathing a little heavy. Are you doing okay? You know? But again, that hypocrisy, it's a human thing. This is just fallen man. But for some reason, and I know why, I think I believe I know why anyway, because the church represents Jesus Christ, the world, meaning the world system, and us in our flesh and our sin, we don't want anything to do with Jesus, naturally, right? Men love the darkness. Why? Because we don't like the light, because the light exposes our dark deeds. So why is it that humanity, as a whole, naturally, is opposed to the church and the preaching of Jesus Christ? Because it points out and draws out attention on sinful behavior. And so, of course, there's going to be negative views on that. But even among Christians... We've seen a move among Christians to have a consumer mentality with church. And I said it this morning, our view on church has to be either Christ-centered or consumer-centered. Like, like, which is it? Is it, what does Jesus have for the church? He's the head of the church. It's all about him. He's number one. Or is it all about how the church serves me, how the church makes me feel? Now, when we sing worship, we just talked about how we ran out of the grave when we found Christ. That should bring joy to our hearts and peace and just worship, right? To praise him for that. But you know, we sing that song primarily not because it makes us feel good. We sing those songs and songs like that primarily because it exalts the name of Christ. And as a byproduct of that, we feel really good. Why do we study his word? Not because that verse that I just read this morning really made me feel good about myself. No, I read that and I study the word so that I might exalt Christ, which in turn produces a greater desire to walk in the spirit and I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So God is glorified and I am blessed. So again, we talk about all of this stuff about the church and what the church is and what the church looks like. But I thought about it this week and in my reading, I came across a verse that just jumped out to me. It's a simple little verse But it gave me the pause to ask the question, what does a growing church look like? What does a growing church look like? So I just want to throw out there just real quick, just your natural first thing that comes to your mind. I almost said there's no wrong answer, but Pastor Nathan Whipple's here, so there could be too many potlucks. Yes. Wait, so is that a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, okay, okay. So he's talking about his individual growth in one very specific region of his body because of too many potlucks. Got it, got it, got it. Um, see, I knew. I just got to give him the opening. It was like I put the ball in the tee, and he was ready. He was locked and loaded. Like, let's just launch that thing. So when you think about that, that idea, what does a growing church look like? What comes to your mind? If you hear that somebody says, uh, such and such church is really growing, what, what do you think first when you hear that? Okay. So a surface level response was, man, they're really, they're growing in their children's ministry. You mean numerically, right? Right? There's lots of kids. Okay. What else comes to mind? I love that. They're reaching their communities. Okay. I love that. Their desire to reach out into the community they're in. Okay. What else comes to mind when you hear somebody say such and such church is really growing? Julie. Okay. So you're not talking numerical growth. You're like with growth. You're talking depth, right? Growing in Christ in, in the word. Absolutely. Any other thoughts? I, I think of like the New Testament exhortation to one another. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, so fulfilling all the one another's of the New Testament, right? Pray for one another, 
care for one another, right? Serve one another, all those things. Love one another, absolutely. Any other thoughts on that? What do you think, if you just hear people saying that, if you just heard someone say that, such and such a growing church, what do you think the majority of Christians that say that mean? Okay. This is exactly what I've experienced. I don't go to a whole lot of pastor's conferences or Bible conferences a whole lot. Um, I have gone to a handful of them. And, and I've been at some where they're super encouraging, right? It's so great. Sometimes I've been where, um, you know, I remember being first into the senior pastor ministry, early 30s, go to a, 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 like a pastor thing, and there's guys there been preaching longer than I've been alive. And just getting to sit with those men and just hear how God moved, that's awesome. But unfortunately, not every Bible conference, you know, pastor's conference is that way. A lot of times it's guys sit around and the first question I ask is, how many are you running? And then it becomes this gauge. How many are you running? Oh, well, we're running this many. And I, I've learned a pastor never asks how many are you running for any other reason than to have an opening to tell you how many they're running. That's just how it goes, okay? So when you hear that, oh, it's a growing church, a lot of people think numbers. That's probably the number one thing that people think of. By the way, it's a truth, right? It's, it's partially true. That is what we're talking about. And there's nothing wrong with the church growing in numbers. There's nothing wrong with the church growing numerically. And it seems like an easy answer. Again, a growing church is a church that has more people coming, hence growing in attendance. And again, while that is true, that numerical growth is part of growing, I do not believe that is the real growth that counts. So I'm not saying this to say growing in numbers doesn't matter. Because it does. Because every person who comes to your church is one more person that hears the gospel. One more Christian that can be discipled. One more marriage that can be rescued and restored. One more family that can dive into God's word and find out how can we help our wayward son or daughter to come back home. So it does matter, but it's not the kind of growth that matters most. So a growing church, the type of growth that really matters is not primarily in its numbers. And I've seen this in church. Uh, we used to take an attendance, uh, like in our, in our services on Sunday morning for the most part. Now, we still do take attendance in our kids' classrooms on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, and here's why. And I never really thought about this. We have our hall monitors that serve during services. Um, one of them was like, hey, we should be getting a count of all the kids' classrooms so that if we had to leave the building for an emergency or something, we know how many kids should be accounted for. Duh. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that, you know. But we used to keep count, not primarily for that, but to gauge if we are growing. Now, we'll still do a count on Easter because it is interesting to see that trend and see how that, how that translates and those kind of things. But we stopped counting attendance because I realized something was happening. We went through a season of growth. And then some Sundays, there would be a few less people or a few more people. And people would ask, well, how many do we have on Sunday? And if I say a number, say, you know, in the auditorium, we had 90 people. Oh, man, what a praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Sorry, that was weird. I shouldn't be saying amen, hallelujah, I guess, anymore. But, um, and that's from the morning service. If you don't get that, you'll get it this when you watch the service. But, but then the next week, they'll say, how many do we have on Sunday morning? And I'll say 80. And they'll go, oh, we're down. Oh, man. And I noticed that we started putting so much emphasis on the number that encouragement and discouragement were directly connected to the rise and fall of that number. 
And so we stopped doing that. We stopped counting those numbers because we realized it's, yes, it matters, but that's not the kind of growth that matters most. And so we want to talk about a different kind of growth. So in Acts chapter 9, um, and we are going to be, uh, my devotion is shorter for this evening, so we may have some time at the end, which I was actually hoping for, to do some, maybe a little bit of prayer and things like that. So, but in Acts chapter 9, what takes place in Acts 9? What's the primary main point that you've heard talked about from Acts 9 in your Christian life? What's a big thing that happens in Acts 9? Okay, Saul, the persecutor of the church, becomes a follower of Christ, right? Remember, God doesn't change Saul's name. Nowhere does it say that he changes his name. We know that by Acts, I believe it's Acts chapter uh, 13, we see he starts going by Paul. Luke begins to change his name. Um, some believe that his name was both Saul and Paul. And he, when he was, uh, as a Jewish leader, he was going by Saul, obviously a name of Jewish heritage. Paul would be connection to his Roman Gentile heritage. So as he began to minister to the Gentiles, he began using Paul. Again, it's just some assumptions that we make. But we never see the Lord change his name like he does Peter, for example, or Abraham, from Abram to Abraham. So those are examples where Jesus changes or God changes the name. In this case, we just see his name changed. But this is a very powerful point in church history. The apostle Paul comes to know Christ and begins his ministry. And honestly, a lot of the chapter is pretty much taken up by that. And then we read that after the conversion that he was preaching in Damascus, ironically, what was he going to Damascus to do? Okay, to arrest Christians and now he's in Damascus, and what's he doing? He's preaching the gospel. And that's the power that God can change in someone's life. You could go from persecuting, I'm going to arrest these Christians, have an encounter with Jesus Christ, and now literally you are consumed with preaching Jesus, teaching Christ. And so again, we see this taking place. After this preaching, he had to escape uh, Jerusalem. He went down to Jerusalem due to the persecution of the Jews. Okay, so that's kind of where we're at in the story. Now we're going to pick up in our reading. So Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. So Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So here we see this verse is kind of one of those moments that Luke is kind of summarizing a little bit of what has happened, what's going on, and then moving into a different storyline. But here we see this verse, and maybe you've read this verse many, many times. Now, a lot of people think that this rest is caused from Paul, the persecutor, being, or Saul, the persecutor, being saved. We'll talk about it in a moment. I don't believe that's all it's speaking to. So in Acts 9.31, we read it there in the King James. Uh, I'm going to read it from the New American Standard. Uh, just a little bit different translation in the wording. So this is what it says. So the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace as it was being built up. And as it continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it kept increasing. So what a simple but a powerful verse. And this is my reading this last week. It just jumped out to me. And the reason I find this so powerful is what we read in Acts chapter 8. So go to Acts chapter 8 in the first four verses. So Acts chapter 8 and the first four verses of Acts 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. 
And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and halting men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Now we know this, it's kind of an amazing thing. Acts 8, 1 through 4 is the fulfillment of Acts 1, 8. Right? Acts 1, 8, you'll be my witnesses, Judea, Samaria, right? To the uttermost part of the world. Right? This is fulfillment of this. And we see this happening in Acts 8. That they were not spreading out preaching the word as Jesus had led them to. So he allowed persecution to do that great work of pushing them and scattering them out into the known world. So after this great persecution that's so strong, they have to scatter, they have to flee. We get to Acts chapter 9. We see the conversion of Saul to the apostle Paul. And then we read in verse 31 that the churches throughout these same regions enjoyed peace. That's a powerful reality. Now, let me just ask a simple question. Do you think between Acts, 1, or Acts 8, 1 through 4 and Acts 9, 31 that all the persecution stopped? Do you think the same persecution is going on? Guess how we know it's going on? Because Paul just had to flee because of persecution. So we have to pause and say, man, how is it then that the church in the midst of all of this had peace? And I, by the way, I think the connection to our timeline and our world today is huge. How can the church in America today, with everything going on, all the craziness, all the seeming hopelessness in the world around us, all the upheaval in the political realm, and all the financial things that are going on, how in the world can the church have peace? The answer is quite simple, right? The peace is not found in the circumstance in which the church finds itself. The peace is found in the one who founded the church, and that's Jesus Christ. And so here we see this peace, again, is not due to the absence of persecution or merely the conversion of Saul. I don't believe it was just that either. A lot of people have said, well, that's why there was peace and rest, because Paul led up or Saul led up on his persecution. That could be part of this, but obviously the persecution is still happening and will continue because what do we read in Acts chapter 12? Well, when you get to Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So again, the persecution has not stopped. It's only, in fact, ramping up. It's intensifying as the church is moving forward. So again, this peace is not due to the absence of persecution or just because Saul has come to Christ, but due to the ending of the verse in Acts 9.31. How is it that this took place? Because there was comfort of the Holy Ghost. There was comfort from the Holy Spirit. This is exactly what Christ promised he would send, a comforter. Again, do you see that, that the promises of God are being fulfilled? Not only Acts 1.8, that you will go forth and be my witnesses, but greater than that. Greater than that, he's saying, no, no, but I'm also going to send you a comforter. So yeah, there's going to be persecution. You're going to be scattered abroad. But I will send one who will be with you and walk with you. Yes, ma'am. Right. 
Right, when he was in the flesh, yes. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, and that's why Jesus can say, greater things than these you'll do. Not greater in quality, but greater in quantity, right? Jesus equipped the apostles to do some pretty great things. Jesus did great things. But in the indwelling and filling of the Spirit in the entire body of Christ, now the greater things are greater in number. Now God is able to move in so many ways through the indwelling of the Spirit. So again, absolutely, it's a blessing to have the paraclete, the comforter, the, the one that comes alongside with us. And so looking at Acts 9, 31, I want to do a really simple look at what does a growing church look like? So I'm just going to give you really super basic points, okay? And it's intended to be basic because I want it to, to kind of stick with us, what we see from the text. So a growing church is growing in the peace of the Lord. A growing church, and I love what was said, there's numerical growth, but there's also spiritual depth and spiritual growth. And so, yes, I believe when it talks about the church was increasing, I believe it was increasing in number. We see that in the early chapters of Acts. But I believe also it was increasing in numbers because it was increasing in these other areas. So we see this idea here that, that it's growing in a peace of the Lord. So we are not fearful of what is going on around us. We're consumed with the anxiety of the world. We are setting our eyes on Christ. How do we do that? Through prayer. What does the Bible say? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things make your requests or let your requests be made known unto the Lord. So how do I, how do I battle anxiety? And I understand as I say that there are people in your area of influence, maybe even people in this room, that battle anxiety to different degrees than other people. Some, some people get really anxious about really the big things. And when I say big things, I mean, you know, a, a huge health thing or a big financial thing. I mean, we all get anxious about those things. But there's other people that get anxious about even what we majority would call the little things. But that's the beauty of the solution. It doesn't matter. And I heard one pastor say, if it's big enough for you to worry about or be anxious about, it's big enough to pray about. And that's the idea. If you feel weight and anxiety for this situation you're in or whatever's going on around you, we don't run to the world's solutions. We definitely don't run to self because that's not going to work. That's only going to push us down in discouragement because we're limited in what we can understand and what we can do, finite brains. Rather, we go to an infinitely wise God who is working all things together for good. Not that you get the promotion or get the raise or get the guy or get the girl. The good is you'll become more like Jesus Christ, being conformed to the image of the Son. And so we cast all our cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. First Peter tells us that. So again, what's a growing church look like? It's a church that's growing in the comfort of the Lord. I'm not looking to the world to comfort me. I'm not looking to my spouse to comfort me. Now, that happens, okay? Our spouses, our families, our friends, they're there to give us comfort, words of encouragement. That's good and needed. The one another's, like Avi talked about, that's important. But my primary source of comfort and peace, John 14, 27, peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That troubled mean anxious. That's John 14, 1 through 4. Same thing. Let not your heart be troubled. 27, let not your heart be troubled. What does that mean? Don't be anxious. I've given you the comforter. 
So how do we grow? How do we grow as a church? Well, the first thing we do is we endeavor from Acts 9.31 to grow in the comfort of the Lord. Number two, amen, Bentley, amen. A growing church is growing in the work of building one another up. A growing church is growing in the work of building one another up. It is not natural for us to seek out ways to edify others without selfish intent. People will edify you in, your, in the secular world or in the corporate world. People will build you up if they believe it will help them. That's just the natural bent. Does that mean we can't still applaud good things that people do? Sure, you can do that. But only in the church, in Christ, are we seeking out the good of others, whether it benefits us or not. Here's an example. If you've ever been in church long and you've tried to be kind and gracious to somebody and they don't return that to you, that can be discouraging. And you want to go, ah, you know what, I'm just going to give up on that person. Rather, in Christ, we say, no, no, no. Whether it's benefiting me or not, I seek out how to build others up. Again, our natural tendencies, as noted on Wednesday in our Fruit of the Spirit study, are to bite and devour one another, Galatians 5. To bite and devour one another. However, through Christ, his spirit, and through the word, we can see the mind of Christ, Philippians 2, become evident in our relationships with others. So what does Philippians 2 say the mind of Christ looks like? When Philippians 2, Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is Philippians 2 talking about? That I should, I should allow the Spirit of God to give me the ability and the, and the mindset like Christ had. The early part of that chapter, what's being talked about there if you're familiar? You can flip there if you'd like, refresh your memory on it. But Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That word mind means attitude, mindset. So what is the attitude and mindset of Christ in the beginning of Philippians 2 that we should emulate in our own lives? Okay. Okay. So humility is a big part. Sacrifice, right? Putting others before yourself. And so here we see that idea. So what's the mind of Christ look like in a believer, in a follower of Christ? Am I putting others before myself? Am I growing in the work of, and it is work, by the way, right? We have to work at building each other up because there's a lot of times people are going to give you a reason to not want to build them up. How they respond, sinful attitudes, sinful behaviors, words we say, right? Somebody says something hurtful and we're like, well, I'm done. That's a world's mindset, not a Christ-centered mindset. So again, we, we are humble. And what allows us to be so humble because we all know we need grace. None of us come to Christ in our own merit. So therefore, we all need to be humbled before the might, humble ourselves under his mighty hand. Again, 1 Peter 5, I believe. So we grow in the work of building one another up. We grow in the comfort of the Lord. Number three. Again, all based in Acts 9.31. What do we see happening here? A growing church is a church that is growing in the fear of the Lord. And that's what the verse says, isn't it? Then the church has had rest or peace throughout those regions, and were built up or edified and walking in the fear of the Lord. They were walking in the fear of the Lord. So a growing church is a church that is growing in the fear of the Lord. We do not fear man, but we should and must grow in our fear or reverence of God. Again, we are sons and daughters of God, but he is still our Lord and King. Being friends with the King does not remove his royalty. 
We are friends with the king, and praise God. He says, I call you no longer servants, but friends. And we know from the rest of the New Testament, we are sons and daughters. But when we go before him, he is still God. And so many people don't like this idea of being fearful in the Lord or having the fear of the Lord. It's not, I'm afraid of God. I'm not afraid of God because in Christ, my sins are forgiven and there's no condemnations, Romans 8.1. Condemnation, Romans 8.1. But I am fearful in the sense of, I tremble before him because he is that holy and just and pure and mighty. And so we come before God, not afraid of God, but we are in the fear of the Lord. And I love that even in the New Testament, people say, fear of the Lord, that's Old Testament. That's Proverbs, right? Proverbs talks about that. And this is a growing church that's doing the work of the kingdom. And they had a healthy fear of the Lord. So again, it's not that we're afraid of God. But the more we grow in Christ, we, the more we are in awe of him. Because the more we know Christ and him and his word, and the more we understand who God is, we come before him and we just go, man, you are an amazing God. And we exalt your name. Wendy. The work of the kingdom, yeah. Mm-hmm. Head, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we talked about even this morning, right? Colossians 1, 15 through 20, right? He is the head of the church. And we referenced that reference to Warren Worsby, where he talks about that word head doesn't just mean ruler or leader. It actually translates to origin, right? The origin or the source of. So he is not only the leader and ruler of the church, he is the source and origin of the church. And so that should lead his church to be in awe of him, right? Uh, Four, number four, and then we're going to wrap up in just a moment. So number four, we talked about a growing church is a church that is growing in the work and building up one another, growing in the fear of the Lord, growing in the comfort of the Lord. And number four is growing in their walking in the spirit is growing in their walking in the spirit. So here we understand if we walk in the spirit, we will not be, or we will be rather conformed by the spirit. We'll be conformed by the spirit to the image of Christ. But not only conformed to the spirit, we will be again comforted by the spirit. The comfort is not a mere, you're fine, take it easy kind of comfort. Just lay back. It is a no matter what the father has planned for your life, you will not go through it alone kind of 
comfort. Another comfort of the Spirit is when we are convicted and turned by grace, receiving forgiveness. I believe it is the the Spirit that comforts us with the truth of His mercy and grace. When we cry out to Him and say, Lord, I am sorry for what I've done. I repent of my sin. The flesh is going to try to make you think you're not really forgiven. Uh, God's going to hold this against you. You're unusable because of what you did. The Spirit, however, is comforting us to say, you are washed in the blood. You are forgiven and free. God is going to use you and has used you and continues to use you for his glory. That comfort that we feel in the moment of repentance, I believe, is a gift of the comfort of the Spirit. So it's not just a comfort. I'm going through a trial, and I know I'm not going to go through this alone, and God is with me, and I have that peace. I believe it's also a comfort that comes when we repent and turn from our sin, that he comforts us with that truth. And so again, in conclusion, when we look at this simple verse, Acts 9.31, such a simple verse. Really, again, kind of a summary verse, but I don't think we should just let it slip right by because this shows us what a growing church looks like. A growing church may be increasing in numbers, but as we said at the beginning, that's not the primary gauge of growth for a church. The real gauge of growth is are we growing in the fear of the Lord? Are we growing in our ability and understanding of what it means to walk in the Spirit? Not a mystical or like a a hard to understand or this kind of fluid definition of walking in the Spirit. But what the Word says. I walk in the Spirit when I'm in His Word and I'm praying and I'm seeking Him and I'm looking for opportunities to serve and I'm doing these things that God has called me to do, not so that He'll keep saving me, but because He saved me. So again, that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. So are we growing in that? Are we growing in our fear of the Lord? Are we growing in building one another up to edify one another? Man, Our world needs Christians to edify one another because Christians are really good at kicking each other when we're down and tearing each other down and pointing out all of our faults and failures. And I'm not saying sin doesn't have a consequence. I'm not saying sin shouldn't be addressed. It should. But when a brother or sister in Christ is repentant and coming and desiring restoration, the church should be the most welcoming place for them to lift them up and to help them. And also we grow in our comfort. So, While I do believe that a church that is growing in these areas may grow in numbers, that is not our only gauge. Rather, when we are growing in these areas, Christ is glorified and we are blessed, regardless of if the size of the congregation grows in number. So whether the congregation gets bigger or smaller, if our goal is to strive to grow in these things, as just examples, these are not all the things we grow in, but from Acts 9.31, just a simple kind of a, a breakdown of what that looks like. Whether our church grows by thousands or by ones over the course of a decade, this is going to strengthen us, the individuals and the church, and draw glory to the Lord. So again, I just want to encourage you that this, this evening. Um, just in reading that this last week, it kind of jumped out to me. And I just kind of was hit by that this, this week. And just kind of a newness of just, wow, I, I saw the increasing part. I know the church in Acts grew a lot by numbers. But I never really caught that breakdown in that simple little verse. And so I pray it's an encouragement to you. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Yes. Praise the Lord. His word is fruitful and it is very giving to us for sure. Um, I do want to do this. We are at like 649. So we got about 10 minutes or so before we're normally done. I do want to just open it up 
because uh, we haven't really been able to do uh, prayer concerns on Sunday night with our service style and the music and all that, which is fine. Um, I encourage you, Wednesday nights, we do take specifically time to pray together as the body of Christ. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, you're welcome to join us on Wednesday nights. We spend some time in the Word, and then we break up the guys and the ladies, go to different, two different rooms, and we spend time in prayer together. So if you want to be a part of that, um, we try to do that, again, Wednesday night. We try to spend at least um, 15, 20 minutes or so in prayer. So we invite you to be a part of that. But... I would like to open it up if anyone has a prayer request or a praise. So I'll ask for prayer that came through the uh, app this morning. Um, Alan Corbett um, broke his ankle, actually broke a couple bones, right? Um, And had surgery today, this afternoon, 2 o'clock or so. Any update on that? Okay. Okay, amen. And you said uh, a couple of weeks off, no wait, right? A couple of months, sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Be praying for Alan for encouragement as obviously this is very different. Um, he wasn't expecting this obviously, and he just got to where he really wanted to be as far as a position or a location. So unless uh, he's praying for Alan for healing, recovery, encouragement, strength, all those things. Absolutely. Anyone else? Prayer request for praise. Yes, Terry. Okay. Be praying for uh, Bob and Terry's daughter-in-law, Shelby, being induced on Wednesday. So pray everything goes well there. Healthy delivery, all those good things. Yes. Amen. I appreciate that. And I know um, Pastor Greg would echo that as well. A huge thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate the prayers of the church. Um, it's all for his glory. He's the one that's doing all this. Uh, we just get to be used by him in that way. So, but yeah, absolutely appreciate that. And then, yes, be praying for any uh, widows and widowers in our grief share uh, ministry, um, a new ministry that started up here just a few weeks back. Um, and yes, I've heard a a few people share as well how much of a, a blessing that's been to them. So be praying for Grief Share, which is a ministry that meets here on Monday nights. Um, Julie Johnson and uh, Lynn Atwell lead that for us. And so I'll say facilitate that for us. Maybe that's a better word to say. Um, and so be praying for that ministry because that's really encouraging people. And the, the praise that I heard is somebody said, you know, I thought I grieved. I thought I kind of went through the process. But then being a part of the group, I realized there were some things I still hadn't dealt with. Um, and, and that was just huge to me. And they literally said, they were like, I don't know what this is costing the church, but it's worth every dollar. So they just were very, very thankful for this ministry. So um, again, that goes to 
the church's generosity. We can't do things like this without your support financially so that we're able to tell these people, hey, we're going to cover this resource and we're going to make sure it's all provided for, for the church. So, uh, but a huge praise in that way as well. So I'll be praying for the widows, widows, banquet as a whole, but specifically any of these individuals that might be able to be blessed by that. Anyone else? A prayer request or a praise? Julie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. Sure. Okay. So let's be praying for Bill and Ruth. Obviously, Ruth for physical healing and comfort, the Lord's will. And then for um, her husband, that he'd be comforted as well. And then follow up on the, the three share. It's interesting how we've been working in that. We've got um, actually more children, adult children, that have lost parents. Hmm. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Let's be praying for that ministry. Absolutely. Well, let's do this. We'll go ahead and uh, bow in prayer. And we just invite you to spend some time before the Lord this evening. And uh, we'll just kind of be in quiet prayer for just a couple moments. And then I'll close this in prayer in just, a, in just a moment. So why don't you go ahead and bow. And let's just spend some time before the Lord this evening. And then I'll close this in just a moment. So go ahead and begin praying right there where you are.
Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just lift up these requests, Lord, that have been brought forward. And we just pray that you would work in each one according to your will uh, for your glory. Lord, we lift up the grief share ministry. Lord, thank you so much for Julie and Lynn's heart to minister to those that are going through seasons of grief and suffering at the loss of a loved one. And Lord, we thank you for how you've been working these last five weeks just to help people to be able to talk about things and not only just talk about them and to get surface answers, but to dive into your word and to be able to see how your word can comfort and guide and direct in these seasons as well. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for what you're doing, how your spirit is moving. We pray you continue to do your work there, Lord. Continue to glorify your name through that ministry. Lord, we do pray for our widows and widowers banquet coming up, Lord. We just pray that as we want to minister to those who have, again, lost a loved one, we pray that you just help us to have the right heart. Uh, just, uh, Lord, just a, a heart of compassion. Uh, Lord, honestly, a heart of joy as we serve them, that we would just encourage them and be there with them, ministering to them. Father, again, I thank you for just how you're, you're working in our church and through our church, Lord. I thank you for the stories time and time again of those that are growing, not just, um, Lord, we're not just growing numerically, but those in our church that are growing in you and in your word and in a hunger for your word, a hunger to uh, edify one another, to serve one another, Lord. It's such a blessing to hear um, stories like that. And so thank you, Father, for working in your church as you say you will. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to stay grounded in your word, to stand upon the truth of the word, because that's where we find our source of life, and, and, and not only in our church, but as individuals. And Lord, just strengthen us there. Father, we just lift up Alan right now, Lord. We know that this is not at all what he expected. And sometimes when we go through situations like this, that can be so discouraging, Lord, because we have our plan, we have our ideas, and it just doesn't go according to what we think. And so I pray first and foremost that you would comfort him and, and be there with him where he would know that even though it's hard to understand that you're working your will in this situation, that you are going to and are using this, again, for your glory and his blessing. And so I pray that you would just comfort him in that, Lord, help him to be able to keep his eyes on you. Uh, we do pray for healing uh, physically, Lord, just uh, touch him and, and heal those bones. Uh, Lord, we know that it may be a couple months with no weight, but we pray, Lord, if it be your will, that you would heal him faster and quicker, that as a testimony to you, he can praise you. But Lord, if your will is the extended amount of time. And we pray again that you would just use this as a fruitful time in his life. Lord, sometimes things like this just help us to slow down, just to slow down and get in your word and to focus on you. And so, Lord, maybe, I'm not saying the cause, but maybe a, a byproduct of this situation is he has an opportunity to just really dwell in your word and to focus on you and to grow spiritually. Lord, whatever you're going to do and however you're doing it, I pray that you would be glorified in all of that. Lord, again, we just pray for Shelby, Lord, as they're inducing her this week. We pray that you would give the doctors wisdom, comfort Nick, as well as I'm sure it's going to be kind of a, a stressful time for him. Uh, I pray that you'd be with Shelby, Lord, just comfort her as well. We pray for a, a healthy delivery and that you would just be with them, Lord. And thank you so much for, um, Lord, just the opportunity that we have to come to you in prayer, to seek you in these things, Lord, to know that when we don't understand and we don't have the control over things, we can trust that you will work your will for your glory. Father, again, we thank you for how you've met with us tonight, Lord. We pray that we would be a growing church in these areas we talked about individually and then corporately. Father, we also lift up Ruth. Lord, we just pray for healing there. We pray for her husband. You'd bring comfort there. And Lord, again, just do a great work in all of that. Father, we thank you so much for this place that we could gather. I pray that you would use us this week as we go our separate ways to share your gospel, to show the gospel through our words 
our actions, our attitudes, to reflect that love so that somebody may hear the gospel from our lips. Not just because we want to preach to them the love of Christ, but we've shown them the love of Christ. Lord, forgive us where we failed you. Strengthen us that we might walk in the Spirit and in, in a way that would keep us from sin. Father, we love you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, God bless you guys so much. Thanks for being here tonight. We invite you back, obviously, Wednesday night at 645. We'll see you then.